Welcome everyone to the very first episode of Hoops Crush. He is Brady Parks, aka Crushables, and I'm Eric Brandt, aka Hoops Jock. We're very excited to do do this podcast together. I've uh, been watching Crushables on YouTube for a while now. I was really impressed with some of his knowledge on the NBA, and of course, he does a lot of rebuilds and stuff. Why don't you uh, plug your your Crushables YouTube channel real quick? Yeah, man, uh, I've been doing uh, YouTube since like 2016, back when I was in high school, and uh, never really thought much of it, but it eventually became something that I kept doing and doing, and uh, obviously I've always wanted to dabble in stuff outside of just 2K, so this is an incredible opportunity. I'm extremely honored to be talking to someone like you at the moment. <laughs> oh. And uh, so where do you live again? In Kansas? Yeah, I live in Kansas. Uh, so what, why did you become a Blazer fan? So, uh, I don't even remember exactly when I started getting into basketball, but I feel like one of the first games I, I watched was, uh, like it was back when the Blazers still had like Wesley Matthews, Nick Batum, like that's when I really started getting into basketball. Uh, and I started watching other rebuilders on 2k, uh, on YouTube. So that like really got me into it. And I feel like one of the first things I ever like really got like excited about was when Dame hit his and I, I didn't see this live but I think it was just like a flashback to it when he hit his game winner <laughs> against the Rockets uh which was I was like damn that's crazy so and then my dad also being a Blazers fan helped out with that as well okay. so uh that is exactly why I became a Blazers fan <laughs> if I were to choose a different team I mean it would have been the Thunder because I've been to, like four Thunder games two times when Portland uh, played there though I was there okay. for when they had Mello in Oklahoma City, and then I went another time. So both, I went twice. One time they won, one time they lost. And uh, the game, the one game I was at that was really cool was when Russ and Dame started talking uh, smack to each other at the free throw line. So that was a fun game to be at. Very cool. Well, if you like uh, NBA rebuilds and stuff, you don't even have to like 2K. You can just like team building and being a GM and stuff like that. Uh, you do a great job with those videos. Thank and, you. and it's always fun to see how you end up uh, <laughs> taking a team along the ride as a, of a rebuild. Yeah, for um, sure. And then, uh, yeah, I, I actually was impressed. Uh, some of the first videos I watched, you were just like reacting to some Bleacher Report trade ideas yeah. and stuff. And, and I, I was uh, impressed by your knowledge on some of the, not only players on other teams around the league, but also um, you're starting to show some knowledge of the salary cap and why trades didn't make sense for mm -hmm. certain teams and you were calling out bleacher report for <laughs> trades not making sense and i was like hey this guy knows what he's talking about yeah. this is cool yeah i think so, over the then, over the years in 2k just like understanding contracts because i'm trading for these guys and stuff like that yeah. and then yeah i mean 2k has been a big benefit obviously 2k isn't the greatest resource yeah. for that but like I i've learned things outside of that too nice yeah, and then I reached out because uh, I, I was watching a video and you said you were going to try to dabble into like NBA podcasts and and do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought it'd be cool if we collab sometime and fast forward like a year, <laughs> year and a half later and here we, here are. we are. huh? Yeah, I did, a, I did a podcast by myself for a little bit, but the problem mm -hmm. is like none of my real life friends really like basketball like that. So like... Uh, okay. It, it's not it's hard to do i feel like it's hard to do one by yourself so i tried and i did it for a while but it just didn't feel right so uh i mean i didn't know if there'd ever be an opportunity like this but here we are so extremely happy to be yeah talking to someone Let's actually go. likes basketball because none of my friends <laughs> really do yeah i've had that problem at several points in my life it's like 
work friends or you know friends in in general don't really care about the same yeah, sports exactly. that you do and it's it's like i want to talk about this with someone yeah definitely but yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun on the show uh we have some fun segments planned for future weeks uh we won't get into them in our first episode but we'll of course talk about anything topical in the nba and specifically for the portland trailblazers mm-hmm. which will dig into we have a lot of stuff i want to ask you about for today's episode all right uh, but yeah we have some some segments planned we want to kind of not necessarily make it a formula show but um we do want to have some things we uh fun things we do each episode and uh we'll get to those in the future but uh right now i just want to know is is was dame your favorite blazer yeah absolutely uh he's the one that really got me into basketball so uh yeah it's it sucks seeing him go i mean when it first trade quest first happened it was it was horrible man but I don't know. Him getting traded didn't feel as bad, though. I think it's probably because I just accepted it at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it was almost three months later. At that point, I was just like, man, get this over with. Can we please just move on? Uh, But yeah, so you see that tweet. Whose tweet did you see first? And what was your first reaction to seeing Dame to Milwaukee? Uh, The first tweet I saw was uh, I was sitting upstairs and the first tweet I saw was Sham's deleted tweet, actually, where <laughs> he got Toronto, traded to yeah. Toronto. I was like, Dave's going to Toronto. I was like, so I opened Twitter thinking he was going to Toronto. And then uh, I saw a bunch of other tweets talking about Milwaukee. And I was like, I was shocked, man. I did not think Milwaukee had enough assets to pull off a Dame trade. Like, even people were kind of, like, mentioning Milwaukee. I was like, bro, they don't have enough. Like, let's, let's be no. real. They don't have enough. But lo and behold, they found a way to pull it off. So yeah. shout out to Milwaukee. Yeah, that was my first reaction too. It's like they only have for one first to pick or to trade. We've been talking about that for months, mm-hmm. and and I had not heard. Uh, I had missed the interview with Drew Holiday, which he said he was now open to possibly playing longer and and signing an extension at the time of the trade. I was like, he's gonna. He said he was gonna retire <laughs> in a year or two. Like, why would we? He's not gonna have as good a value. Um, so yeah, it ended up being a lot better than my initial reaction, simply because Drew Holiday was worth a lot more um, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there was a bidding war for him. Uh, several playoff teams obviously needed his services, and Boston comes away uh, pretty, pretty nice looking uh, with adding Drew and Porzingis this summer. Their depth might not be as good as it's been in years past, but um, if they can stay healthy, man, that's they do have a team that could go up against Dame and Giannis. Oh, for the sure. Bucks. I like that starting what five you, a lot. Yeah. So are you hoping for that Matt clash in the playoffs? Yeah, this year, I mean, or? I think forever we wanted to see the Battle of L.A. when you know Kawhi and Paul George first happened, and that never really happened. So I think Well, maybe you did. Screw all <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, Milwaukee and Boston. It's that would be a fun series if we ever do get to see it because there's a lot of star power in that series if we ever got it. So uh, that would be a fun one to watch. Mm-hmm. So, what was your reaction to the Drew Holiday trade? Uh, I was pretty happy with the turn. I I, I think overall Joe Cronin did a decent job. Uh, as much as I don't like the guy, still I think. I give him his flowers for uh, this trade. Uh, I think I, I liked it. I liked the return. I like Robert Williams. Obviously, the injury concerns are there. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, we'll see what happens with him. I did not think he was going to play a game for us, but it looks like he might be 
and then yeah. um, the two first. Uh, now, the Warriors pick obviously may not be very good, but 2029, never know what can happen. Uh, most likely, Boston will be good, but, you know, you never know. Well, now that we have Milwaukee's 2029, uh, we'll have our own back uh, unless we traded it by then. And then Boston's 2029, that's the worst case is we have 28, 29, and 30, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or if there's expansion, I guess it could be. Oh, for sure. Hopefully, hopefully by then we have Vegas and Seattle. As, as I feel teams. like we should, probably. Yeah. And then maybe Jody would sell the team if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what did you think about uh, – do you think this team is like too good right now or do you think uh they should they should have bottomed out more or do you think it was good to add some some guys that we've needed like a Robert Williams who is uh the type of defensive center that this roster um that has been built around guards for over a decade now has mm-hmm. needed um to complement uh, a backcourt that's um a heavy scoring backcourt um, I I see the I see a, a world where we could have went either way. Like I think it definitely would have been a better idea to try to bottom out a little bit more. But it seems like I mean you've kind of been hinting at it that they seem like they want to win. They want to prove everyone that they're gonna win or whatever. So I'm not surprised by them going for Aiden and then Robert Williams, which both are super young and obviously is the best in rotation we've had in uh, a very very long time. I don't expect both of them to be here throughout their contracts. I mean, it's kind of funny uh, looking at it that I get I, Anthony Simons, Sharp, Robert Williams, and DeAndre Ayton are all free agents in the same offseason, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know how that's going to pan out. Uh, so in the future, I feel like one of them will probably be moved. Um, and then who knows with Anthony. Uh, but I feel like it probably would have been a better idea to bottom out. I mean, I feel like we really got to hope. I, I think Amber Simon is going to be really good, though. So I could see a world where it could have made sense to put some more winning pieces around Anthony Simons. But we have Shaden and Scoot that we're trying to build around as well, who are both 19 and 20. So I don't know. It's uh, We're kind of in a weird spot, I'll say. Like, I feel like we could be a terrible team this next season. I also feel like we could be a surprise team this season, which is weird. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, though. Right. I uh- I mean, obviously, I think we're going to be one of the worst teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if we had, like, a Kings from last year type run or, uh, you know, Memphis when they were still really young and and shot up the, the seedings, um, like, it wouldn't shock me. Like, I, I mean, obviously, you have a bunch of players. I mean, Aiton averaged 18 in an offense where he didn't really see a ton of touches. So, he could very easily be a plus 20 point per game scorer in the system. Jeremy Grant and Anthony were plus 20 point per game scorers. Uh, Scoot, uh, we already hear uh, Chauncey and players raving about his playmaking and passing ability. And if he's setting the table in a way that's um, complementing those players really well, and then you have some defensive pieces in Robert Williams and Matisse Theibel, and some depth at guard. If you keep Brogdon, you're you're pretty deep. You have mm-hmm. like an eight nine man rotation that you can really count on if everyone's healthy. Um, so like I wouldn't be surprised if this team just started winning a bunch of games all of a sudden and finds themselves in the mix for not only the playoff race but possibly like one of those home court advantage spots. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely uh, absolutely agree with that. 
Uh, the depth on this team is a lot better than we. I mean, this it feels like this is the best team that Dame could have ever played on if we <laughs> right, had him with all these pieces, and we're already giving that to Scoot, so it's pretty interesting. And I think you could kind of make. I I wouldn't say this for like Scoot and Sharp right now, but like the potential is there for them to obviously be like a twenty point per game score one day. So like if you look at this roster, pretty much everybody. Technically, in theory, could be 20. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but you could. Mm. Eat, all five of the guys that might be starting, Sharp may not start, but could all technically average 20 eventually. I'm not saying Scoot and Sharp will do it right away, but Aiden, if he got a lot of touches, he could do it. Grant obviously did it last year, and Simons, I expect him to do it this year anyway. So, yeah, it's an interesting team we got on our hands right now. Absolutely. So would you start the three guards or would you start Dival or how are you looking at it? I personally would probably start Sharp at the three. Uh, I don't. Someone just sent in the group chat that uh, they listed Sharp at six six. So I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's small forward size. I don't know. Uh, but I don't That's know. obviously with shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd play him at the three. I think obviously Scoot, Sharp, Simons are the most important three guys for the rest of our future. So. I know they're going to start Thibault. I have a gut feeling that's what's going to happen. So, um. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm thinking too. It's not not that it's bad necessarily, but in my opinion, um, you don't want to tank necessarily this year. Uh, I mean, it makes sense at the very end of the season mm -hmm. if you need to lose a couple games to get a better spot. But I don't want to like hold anyone back this year. Uh, we saw a couple years ago when Anthony, um, after Dame had a surgery, uh, starts and is the lead guard and just really blossomed and then the team kind of was like uh we need you to sit and not be so good yeah and, <laughs> and, and and that was I mean it was probably the right move to try and get as high of a lottery pick as possible but this season I, I just feel like you don't want to limit how anyone can be so if you if you lose a bunch of games but they're all playing well and mm -hmm. and trying their best. That's fine. Um, that's not necessarily tanking, in my opinion. That's just um, you're just not a winning team yet. Yeah. And uh, I just want to see him build towards that, similar to Dame's rookie year, where um, they kind of flirted with the playoffs um, for about till the All Star break, and then kind of fell off, and then they pulled the shoot and lost a bunch of games at the end, so they could keep their draft pick. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, so I I could see something like that, but um, I really just want Scoot and Sharp in particular to get as many minutes as possible and and just learn because you saw once Sharp got some responsibility on the court last year um, in terms of running the offense, he just looked like a completely different player, and so I don't want to like then go back to him being a spot up shooter, even though he yeah. he was good as a spot-up shooter last year um you don't want to like just put him back in that role I, I think once he shows you that he can handle it just keep giving him more responsibility and keep uh you know lengthening that leash until until he he proves he can't handle it and i would i would take that same approach with scoot and just give him the full offense and and let him go and if he's struggling you know maybe dial it back or Maybe that's when Brogdon can step in and, and give some minutes and, and help him out a little bit. But 
I just want to develop these guys and see what they can do and not hold them back. Absolutely. Uh, Tori kind of said it yesterday. I This is exactly how I saw it, too, where I could see us being like the Jazz maybe to start the season, where things mm-hmm. are just like clicking on all cylinders. I mean, that's kind of how we started last year, too. Um, I could see that kind of happening. Will it continue? I'm not sure about that, but uh, maybe it won't even start that way. I mean, obviously, it remains to be seen, but uh, should be a fun team to watch regardless. Super athletic, super fun. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a huge Anthony Simons guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah, are too, but, yeah. um, like I, I think there's going to be multiple teams that are going to regret that they could have possibly gotten him for not that much this summer. I absolutely um, if agree that was with the you. case. And I, I just feel like there's so many teams that, well, a lot of the teams that were in on Dame, I, I feel like they could have gotten Anthony for much less. Yep. And that it, it not that he's better than Dame or anything, but like long term, it would have fit their their teams better, like a Brooklyn or mm-hmm. or Miami or or Toronto. Uh, I just think that those would have been good fits for him, Boston as well, um, and or Philly. He'd be great with Embiid, uh, like. There's so many teams that I, I don't understand why they didn't go after him. And people's, people compare him to, to Poole and, yeah. and Hero a lot, but he's, he's like a different type of player than those guys. Um, and I, I think he would have fit in that lead guard role better than those guys are. You know, someone told me that Simons was the worst contract in the league. So <laughs> yeah, people have their own opinions on him. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. We've seen what he's been able to do with like the opportunity – it really sucks because, I mean, we just have, like, two younger guards behind, like, obviously right now behind him. Yeah. So, obviously, usually the franchises usually lean towards a younger guy. So, I do wonder how long Simon stays here, but I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think his ceiling this year is through the roof. I, I mean... I f- expect really big things from Simons this year with a full opportunity with Dame gone. And I mean, Dame even said it in him- himself in his letter that he sees it in him and uh, I see it too. <laughs> so the Inferno Inferno, <laughs> even though he hates being called. That. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did you think of media day? Was, was there a particular interview that stood out or a comment that stood out to you? Um, Shade and sharp is interview he's always a funny interviewer um yeah Shaden Sharp stood out to me um I noticed that like you know Joe Cronin thinking Dame for I mean I think he handled it as best as he could obviously he didn't want to address the Chris Chris Haynes article too much uh he did get asked about it and he just said oh I just thought it was a bad idea one part of it yeah (laughs) yeah one part of it basically and I think that was Frenchress that asked him that if I'm not mistaken and uh also um Chauncey just saying like I kind of understood what they were saying but it almost felt like they were <laughs> blaming that they couldn't run his type of <laughs> offense because of Damian Lord like now there's yeah. like not as much pressure you can just figure out who th- is the guy like I could see him hinting at that a lot uh so that kind of stood out to me as well uh and then DeAndre Ayton uh also a lot of people are pointing out that uh he said uh, I I didn't notice it when I first watched it, but he said that he uh, Phoenix granted his wishes, so people were kind of suspecting he had requested a trade, which could make some yeah. sense. Um, obviously, he's never been really happy there. It seems like uh, apparently he unfollowed Devin Booker right away as soon as he got <laughs> traded. So uh, and KD, oh and KD too, yeah. So yeah, um, I think Aiden he seems happy to be here. 
hopefully he can turn into something for us. Uh, dominating is what we need to see. <laughs> or what do you think of that nickname? Uh, <laughs> it's a cool nickname, but yeah, him, him calling himself that is kind of funny. It's funny. I know, it's like, it's just weird to like, I mean, I know like, as a YouTuber, you call yourself crushable right. or whatever on your show. And, <laughs> you know, I call myself Hoofstock sometimes. Like, but I don't know. Just the way he says it, it just it's just kind of weird to, to have him just keep saying it. Plus, his nickname is like, it's got some meaning to it. Like, you, right. you got to go dominate if you're actually going to call yourself that. So, right. Well, hopefully, he does. Uh, so, ba- backtracking to Sharp, uh, he made the comment that he personally didn't care. Um, if he came off the bench or started, mm-hmm. um, well, one, do you think that comment was, uh, truthful and two, uh, what do you think that's like a good mindset or do you not like to have someone that's not like, I, I want to start at all costs? Uh, sharp is hard to read in my opinion. I, f- I don't have a problem with it. Cause I feel like it's just like him being a team player. Um, Obviously, when he has the opportunity, the last thing we want to see is him being all nonchalant and not really feeling like he cares enough. Uh, but um, I don't really have a problem with him saying that he doesn't care what he needs to do. I feel like that's the team approach, the political way to say things. Uh, maybe he feels differently behind the scenes. I'm sure he does ultimately. But he also seems like just a super chill dude. So I can see a world where he actually genuinely feels like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I I think it was just... He knows that that's what, like, the coaches want to hear from him, yeah, you know, and and uh, I think it'll just it'll play out like they said in practice, um, and it'll be cool to to hear if he's like stepping up and uh, we're already hearing whispers about it. They're, they're one day into training camp now that he played really well, and it's going to be hard for for Billups not to start him and that um, Billups made some comments afterwards that sound like he might be possibly leaning towards starting him, uh, which is surprising considering yeah. both you and I both just said that we we think Thibel will probably get the nod. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, I think last year they, they were really hoping that Nasir Little stepped up mm-hmm. and just took that starting small forward job and never looked back. And unfortunately for Nas, he just was not in a good place health-wise with mm-hmm. that coming off that same core surgery that both Gary Payton II and Damian Lillard had. And uh, I just I don't think he was right. And they he tried to play through it, unlike Gary Payton. But um, yeah, I, I just unfortunately for him, he just fell out of favor after that and mm-hmm. never really got on track last year. He had some good moments shooting the ball and stuff like that, but defensively he just did not look like his normal athletic self. And uh, I think they're hoping that Sharp this year just runs away with it and is so good that that you can't possibly even think about preventing him from from playing more and starting. Yeah, if that's the case, I think we're in a good spot too, uh, that he's showing that behind the scenes and working uh, as much as he can to get that spot because I think it'd be pretty easy right now to give it to Thibel because the defense, but if Sharp can uh, you know, show that he is ready and wants it, I think that is a great sign for us uh, as Blazers mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, and obviously uh, Sharp in Summer League, he... It was kind of a mixed bag, yeah. in my opinion. He showed some moments where it's like, okay, he's got this <laughs> this really high talent level, 
and he's just—I mean—he's going to be good no matter what. But he also showed some moments where it seemed like he didn't really care. He was sloppy with the ball, mm-hmm. uh, took some bad shots, and didn't really seem engaged in the offense that much, and not engaged on defense either. Um, so when when I see players like that, it doesn't necessarily bother me at the time. But what I want to see is now heading into training camp that you took those months in between summer league and now to make sure that you learned something from that experience instead of just like, eh, whatever it was summer league, you know, right? like, no, no, I, I need to fix this because I can't be looking like this, even if it is summer league. So I'm, I'm hoping that he has that kind of attitude. And if he's, if he's playing well in practice, um, if we start to hear more than just one day, um, I think that'll be a really good sign that he did take it seriously and was not satisfied with just mailing it in during summer league. Absolutely. And then we had a lot of injuries, uh, you know, well, the main one was Scoot being injured during summer league. So it was unfortunate we didn't get to see him more than um, a little bit of the first game. Two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row where Sharp gets hurt and then Scoot gets hurt. I don't know why. So disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. And then we'd lose that first game. We could have we could have won oh the summer league championship again. Bro, the way that game ended was insane too. <laughs> that was a, a lob for pass. no reason. We just held it. <laughs> then Jabari yeah. hits a half court shot or whatever it was, bro. It was just... Or was it half court or they just like threw it threw it full? I don't remember. It was yeah. He threw it, he threw it. It was just just past half court, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a long shot. Yeah, man. Um, so. Now, going back to the Damian Lillard comments about seemingly everyone seem seeming more free, free, I don't know, freer to uh, yeah. go about things. Um, like, I feel like the pressure got taken off oh, uh, absolutely. now that Dame's not there. Like, because Joe now doesn't have to make a trade to win now. And absolutely. And he can make moves and he's not questioned like, well, how is this going to lead to them? And, um, Chauncey can, um, I mean, I personally feel like Chauncey's kind of pushing off the blame for not being that great Mm -hmm. (laughs) his first two years. Um, but you know, like maybe he feels comfortable doing stuff with the offense and defense that he did not feel comfortable with doing with Dame on the roster or he knew, you know, you had to run a lot of pick and roll with Dame or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, I would love to see, uh, a free flowing fast tempo offense. Um, I think that'd be really cool, but I don't, I don't necessarily think they couldn't have done that with Dame or like Mm -hmm. that's, it's like going to be different just because Dame was there. I think they could have implemented some of that stuff with Dame and, and it would have been fine, but um, yeah, it's, it's they've had some like athletic guys off the bench too in the past. Um, not necessarily veterans, but when you have a lot of young athletic guys, I think you should get out and run a lot more. Absolutely. So it's it's good to hear them say that. But yeah, I I do feel like both Joe and Chauncey kind of threw Dame under the bus and kind of used that to to be like, oh no, he's gone now. Now we're now we can do what we want to do, you know. Couldn't agree more. Um, I've started to notice people come around because, like, I feel like rebuilding is like, 
I don't know. Like people love it, I guess. Like people like I feel like when I look on Twitter, people like, oh yeah, that was a great move. Start, you know, you need to start rebuilding. But I've started to notice. Uh, I saw a few people say that like, if you're rebuilding, you ultimately failed, right? So like, obviously, when you're a GM and you go into rebuild mode, you get a lot more years to prove because like, there's no, you can't really fire someone in the well, you can technically, but like, it feels like you got to give the GM time, right? during the rebuild because you don't want to just like hire multiple GMs during a rebuild because then they could pivot a different way. Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, there's no pressure anymore to try to build around Dame. That qu that cloud isn't over them anymore. So they don't have to worry about making a trade for whoever to get Dame help or, uh, you know, answering the questions on how this, you know, why did you trade Josh Hart if you're trying to get better? And, oh, trust me, I'm going to push all my chips. And like, he doesn't have to do that anymore. So like, obviously that cloud is gone uh joe cronin has bought himself i mean he probably had time anyway but he bought himself some more time uh rebuilding is just the easier way to do things if you're trying to keep your job in my opinion and as far as you know obviously chauncey to me i mean we started the season really good last year then the injuries happen um and like i don't know chauncey to me i'm not i don't even know i just he, so far he doesn't feel like a good coach to me but we have tanked the last two years um, I'm, I think we've had him for like three years now, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's been three this, years. This will be a third season. Okay. That's what I thought. Cause, uh, we had him with Norman. Yeah. Cause we had Norman. Then we tanked that year. That's right. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Chauncey's not a great coach, but Hey, maybe he's finally got his guys, right. That he can go out there <laughs> and be a good coach uh, this year. Although the expectations are very high. So what is the definition of Chauncey being a good coach? So I don't know. Right. I feel like last year they were saying the same stuff though, like, "Oh, we we have our guys this year. We didn't have them at the beginning of last year, but now we got rid of a bunch of the guys who weren't Chauncey guys, and now now we have them." And then, yeah, then the season still fizzled out. I'm surprised they haven't brought back Winslow, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> he's not on the roster. It's still a possibility, I guess. <laughs> it uh, for sure. But I think Cronin uh, in particular, I, I think. Um, because the easiest part is to get to where he's gotten. It's like you trade everything away, mm -hmm. <laughs> you tear it down, and he's even admitted this, that tearing it down is the easy part. It's yeah. building it back up and not just building it to a good, building it to great. And and it's much harder to make that jump from good to great than it is to tear it down and be good again. Absolutely. Uh, so, so he's... He's definitely put himself in that position where, like you were mentioning, he's bought himself some time now um, to kind of maneuver in that space where you don't have to be good. But if you are good, you look really good right? Yeah. <laughs> because, oh, look, you traded Dame and you're you're fighting for the playoffs like Dame didn't even make the playoffs the last two years. You know, we'll hear that narrative and stuff. Um, so I, I think he's put himself in that position. As far as Chauncey goes in coaching, um, it's so weird with me with Chauncey because he came in and he's still saying it at the press conference yesterday. Um, he still says all the right things. Like he, he knows what to do. He knows how to do it. He knows what the best approach is. Um, he knows how to handle players. Uh, I think that's one of his best qualities. Yeah, sure. He can articulate all of that in a press conference or um, two players, I guess, um, you know, trying to coach them. It's just so far he hasn't been able to get that to translate and look the way he wants it to look on the court. So maybe since he has mostly young guys now, he can 
finally get that to happen. But until he actually shows it, because there, there's been like many, many examples of really smart, some of the smartest, highest IQ basketball players of all time flailed as coaches because they just, you, it's so easy for them. It, it's hard to like teach yeah. your mentality and teach, you know, like reaction speed and just thinking the game on the court. Cause you can't just like hold their hand out on the court. So, um, I, it does worry me that everything Chauncey's saying is just never going to translate for him onto the court. Um, does that worry you as well? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, ever since he's came in from day one, I agree. He said all the right things. We need to move the ball more, play tougher defense, and just says all the right things that was a problem we had stats. And, uh, I mean, we'll do it for maybe just like a little bit, but then it just like falls off really quickly and things just go like, I don't know, they just go south. So, uh, I am worried about Chauncey going forward, uh, but I mean, we got to ride with him for now. So hopefully thing, I mean, if he could just show promise, that's the main thing we want to see. We're not trying to win a championship this year necessarily, but just like main, th just like things he should be adjusting that, that needs to be taken care of basically. It's so weird, like, everyone, like, Joe said it yesterday, um, all the players say it, um, like, players not even on his team come up to him every game, you know, they all swear by this guy, <laughs> like, everyone loves him, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, it kind of, uh, it's obviously not this magnified, but um, I don't know if you watch college football at all, but there's, like, this craze around the Colorado football program right now. Deion Sanders. And Deion Sanders, yeah. right? And, uh, like, Chauncey had a little bit of that, like, mystique and stuff like that when he came in. I mean, obviously, he's not prime time, like, that flashy. But, right, right. Uh, like, he had that kind of charisma and that kind of, um, I don't know, character that, like, a lot of players looked up to and looked to him as like a mentor for advice and stuff like that. Um, so it's weird that like, like even Dame on his way out, you know, said what a great coach Chauncey's been the last couple of years. And um, like everyone says he's such a, such a great guy to be around and, and, uh, and just learn from, but it just hasn't <laughs> worked out on the court. It's just so weird. Yeah. Um, he seems like a, cool dude seems like a guy that gets along with a lot of people as as we know um i mean it's just it's gonna be interesting to see how things go this year now that he has the ability to not have to worry about dame as he or just do whatever he wants now like this is a clean slate in my opinion because we don't even know what is going we don't even know who's gonna be handling the ball the most it's gonna be simon's gonna be scoot uh is scoot gonna be playing off ball more like there's gonna be a lot of interesting things to watch so chauncey i feel like gets a clean slate with dame gone at 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 the end of the day it'll be interesting to see what he does with the guards if they have if he has them more at the point of attack on defense this that year. too absolutely um because that's that's one thing that's um i think been tough for this team to overcome defensively for going back to all the stats years and um basically until 2015 when we lost Wes and batum and stuff um, it, the, the ability for a team to play a good team defense when you're trying to hide the guards, uh, um, down in the corners 
it just to me when you're trying to hide both of them it's it's too hard to overcome and then often your best rim protectors then get matched up on the perimeter and then uh Anthony and and Dame then have to sag down and be rim protectors and try to guard bigger players and you know we've seen flashes of Dame stopping players in the post and stuff but short of that it's I don't think it's the best way to build your defense to where you're you're either hiding them or you're uh putting them in positions where they're having to guard much bigger players in bad situations trying to help uh so I want to see that was like one of the first things Chauncey said was like, I want a team that scraps on defense. And I, I haven't seen that in, in the first couple of years. And I feel like when you hide players, you, you can't scrap. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're not going to be a scrappy team. So I want to see him uh, pressure the ball more, whether that's trapping or hard hedging uh, screens um, or just like, uh, you know, picking up right at half court or something. I, I just want to see more um, – just forcing the ball out of some players' hands. We saw one game last year against Luca, where he had like his worst game of the season, and we were all over him defensively, um, just double teaming him and and not letting him get any kind of downhill movement off the dribble, and uh, that was a really fun game to watch. And then uh, it, we don't really see that against other players. Is that uh, the game that similar skill set that Dinwiddie killed us? Is that the same game? Uh, no. This we actually won that oh, game. Okay. It was uh, we were playing a back to back in Portland, the same team twice against Dallas, and uh, he didn't play the second game, but uh, the first game we we shut him down. Oh, okay. I I guess I'm remembering it wrong, but you're you're thinking about the I think the the earlier season game in Dallas when. Yeah, Dinwiddie oh, made a bunch of threes. Yeah, he absolutely lit us up. Lit us up that night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to see uh, Scoot. I want to see if uh, he can be that good. I mean, he's a rookie, so I'm not expecting a lot. But like, I would love to see him be able to challenge whatever guard that the other team has. I, I mean, I know we've always put Grant on guards, but I feel like if we gave you know Scoot an opportunity, Sharp an opportunity if he's starting, like I would love to see those guys be able to challenge some of the team's best players or maybe the team's best guards, not necessarily go guard like Paul George or whatever, but like uh, guard their best guard or you know, like a De'Aaron Fox or something. But that's that's what Sharp did at the end of last season, and that I mean, he struggled with it a bit, but it was still impressive to see him mm-hmm. have that mindset. Like, I'm gonna, I told the coach I want to guard the best player or whatever, and coaches were like, I'm gonna give him that, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, he's not going to shut down players as a rookie, but you do want to see that mindset where he wants to earn it and play good on the defensive end. And I think that would bode well for the future of all of them. And I think that's when we mentioned earlier all the guys who could possibly average 20 points per game. uh, I think when you have that kind of balance on offense you're not reliant on one person to score so much or to break down a defense because you have multiple creators um i do think that that does allow you to put more effort on defense or at least it should and there's there's not that excuse of oh i'm i'm averaging 30 33 points per game i can't (laughs) i can't play defense and carry every single ounce of the offensive load as well so that is one good thing about having a balanced lineup uh, offensively I think is it should allow all these guys to 
uh, perform their best on defense. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I mean, I feel like uh, if we're starting Scoot, Sharp, Simons, Aiden, Grant, I mean, all five of them could technically put up 20 a night. So I think we're going to be pretty balanced in the offense. So as you said, it should lead to hopefully more effort on defense. And then, uh, so what did you think of what Scoot had to say yesterday? Uh, I mean, I liked uh, the question where, you know, they asked him about, or comparing, the main thing I took away from it is, obviously, since he's been drafted, he was kind of put in an awkward spot, because obviously this city loves Damian Lillard, and it's not his fault that he got drafted here. Um, I, I mean, he's taken it great, by the way. I mean, as a rookie he's been really really good at taking everything that's happened with this situation has been super mature about it so i feel like we have a really good uh leader on our hands going forward uh but i do love that when they asked him i forgot exactly what they asked but it was something about um you know how do you feel about filling the shoes of dame or something like that and he's like i'm scoot henderson so uh i liked that answer a lot he loves himself some scoot which is not <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because like it if you just like watch that it's it seems like he's kind of full of himself but every every like great player in league history outside of maybe like tim duncan um was very cocky mm -hmm. and like confident in their abilities so um i do i do think that's a characteristic of a player who is destined to be uh, a star and have that it factor um and he's he's so charismatic and and just such a such a fun guy um i i, I do think he's going to be a breath of fresh air and i i just want to say this i i dame's my guy i i did not want him to be traded i i thought he deserved to either be here as long as he wanted to be or that we owed it to him uh for all he's done for the franchise to um you know treat him with a little more respect this summer and maybe take a, a lesser deal to get him to where he wants to go. I totally understand if you think that's stupid <laughs> and, and uh, completely disagree and that you have to do what's best for the franchise. I get it. I just think Dame is the one example in uh, pretty much Blazer history that I think was owed that, that latitude. And I, I don't think he got it fully, but that being said, Scoot Henderson, it has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not his fault or anything like that. So I'm glad that's kind of his mindset or whatever. Like, I'm my own person. I don't care <laughs> about what happened with Dame. Like, I, I'm sure he likes Dame. He's had conversations with him in the past. And I'm sure Dame will, if he hasn't already um, reached out to him, I'm sure at some point Dame will realize that he can't like take it out on him and yeah and he'll go back to to giving him advice um but i i just want to make that clear that scoot henderson like i i am super excited about scoot henderson um it has nothing to do with my feelings on dame and i i think the sky is the limit for this guy and and i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being not as good as dame that would probably surprised me because you know he'd be a top 75 player of all time in yeah. that case but you know multiple time all-star um that that would not shock me at all yeah i mean i think you're allowed uh including myself that's how i felt um i think we're allowed to be uh, upset about what happened with the damien lord situation and be excited about scoot like i don't think the you know there's some people that felt like oh why are you so mad we have scoot now the future's bright but 
I mean, if you really read exactly what happened and how things went down, like it was na- it was kind of a nasty divorce between Dame and the Blazers. And for someone that I mean, Dame, if Dame was any other star, he would have requested a trade a long time ago. So like he put up with a lot. And the fact of the matter is he did not get treated the best on his way out. Um, so it definitely sucked seeing it in that way. But I feel good that we ultimately sent him to play with one of the best players in the NBA in Giannis. Like that made me feel so good about that whole situation. Cause like when he first, when I first got thought he sent, got sent to Toronto, it's fine. But him going to Milwaukee is just another different level with Giannis Antetokounmpo and they still have Middleton, Brook Lopez. I am like generally so happy for him. And I already root for the bucks anyway. Like I'm not, uh, I like, I've always been a big fan of small market teams when they won the championship. Super happy for them. Always been a big fan of Giannis. So for me, it's super easy to go root for Dame in Milwaukee. Like I, I consider myself now a part-time Bucks fan at this point. So, yeah, obviously we'll uh, probably keep an eye on that on this show uh, where we talk about NBA topics and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, we could even maybe have a segment. And uh, by the way, if you are watching this and you have some ideas of some things you want um, Brady and I to talk about or, uh, you know, ideas for a segment in the future, or if you want to help me out with, um, I have some segments planned, but I could use someone who gives us, you know, a few ideas or questions for some segments. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you can hit either of us up on Twitter's or on Twitter on X or whatever <laughs> it's called. Um, and then, uh, yeah, or Discord, I'm always on Discord or whatever, uh, so feel free to to hit me up. I don't I don't know if you have too many fans to respond to them all or not. Uh, <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to keep it fun on the show, and and uh, yeah. So if you have ideas, uh, more than happy to hear them. Absolutely, we're open to anything. And uh, one quick thing I do want to end off with here is. Uh, uh, you know, the whole Miami thing, and uh, I totally understood why he wanted to go to Miami and why his agent did what he did. Uh, but we've always thought, and I don't want to give this man too much credit, but we've always thought Joe Cronin had no backbone, right? And uh, he didn't he didn't submit to Miami at all. Like, I, And it was kind of out of pettiness, right? So I'm not trying to give him like too much credit. Uh, but it always felt like he was going to send him to Miami eventually, and he was just posturing. But he did something different, which I was really surprised by. I was shocked. I thought for sure it was going to Miami. And, uh, you know, obviously this thing lasted like three months. So I- I'm not af- I'm not afraid to admit this, and I'll say this right now, that if he got sent to Miami, that would have been great. But for me, it would have been a lot harder to root for him. I would have rooted for him, but, like, I think it would have hurt a lot more seeing him in a Heat uniform than right now in a Bucks uniform because of just all the drama that unfolded throughout the summer. That's how I personally feel. And I think a lot of it has to do with what some of my, and I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not saying all Miami fans are like this, but, uh, you know, Twitter would recommend me some tweets of, you know, negative tweets about Dame and his trade value, how he's not worth anything and blah, blah, blah. And like some Miami fans were saying that like, he's not worth anything or whatever. And um, so I, I don't know. I just always soured on Miami and uh, just whatever. I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing was just dramatic. So uh, I'm not, a, I know it would have been great for him to go to Miami. I know that I'm not going to disregard that, but I'm happy he didn't go there. Selfishly, I'm happy, uh, which is kind of weird to admit, but 
I, I just think rooting for him in Milwaukee is going to be so much easier for me. Like seeing him in a, a, in a Bucks jersey didn't even hurt that bad. I feel like seeing him in a Miami jersey would have hurt a lot worse. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I kind of – it's so weird. I, I mean, people told me to go root for Miami and go be a <laughs> yeah. Heat fan or go move to Miami yeah. or whatever. Like, okay, but I – I just, I had a different experience than pretty much every Blazer fan this summer, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not even like sure how it happened or why it happened or whatever because I wasn't ever like trying to placate um, the, the the Miami fans in particular. Um, but I ended up meeting like a lot of really nice Miami fans and people, and had all kinds of people DMing me. Uh, went on a show. Um, you traitor a Miami <laughs> podcast and just told like give the history of you know what led up to Dame requesting a trade it wasn't like very opinion based it was all just I was just giving people info on what happened the last couple of years yeah absolutely. Um, and so and then everyone's like oh I'm a traitor yeah <laughs> like I'm a sellout or whatever. Like, <laughs> I didn't really understand that part because, like, I was just like I said, rehashing what had happened to lead up to Dame wanting out, and uh, you know, like a lot of fans of other teams don't know that. And every fan base has horrible fans, including Miami. There were some people, like you said, that were just all over social media, um, just saying all kinds of stupid stuff and trying to ra- or agitate blazer fans and stuff um but i don't i didn't really get a lot of that personally um and i i had a lot of dms and stuff from miami fans that were actually super nice to me so i don't have any ill will towards miami fans i actually feel kind of bad um for some of them that i had talked to for a while that they ended up with nothing and and now my milwaukee and boston look clearly above any other team including the heat uh but yeah like um i don't know i was talking there was that you know drew star on yeah on uh on twitter <laughs> yeah yeah so he would like listen to you know blazers uprise and um all the different portland based shows and you know aggregate it and just post comments or clips uh from those shows and i actually uh started talking to him uh through dms and uh he was super nice to me and stuff so like i i don't know i never had any problem with any miami fans so i wasn't like screw miami they can't have dame you know like because like i also like i said earlier i i feel like dame had kind of earned um the respect to at least consider where he wanted to go the most absolutely I think I, I don't agree with the way Goodwin. Yeah, went about I think that's it, the but. problem with the way Goodwin went about it. I think that was uh, a huge problem. Uh, I don't blame him for wanting to do it. Like I don't know. Like it's tough because I understood he was trying to get his client to where he wanted to go, but I mean, you kind of try to ruin all the leverage in the world for Portland, so he had to know that wasn't going to go great. I don't know. It, obviously, yeah. he's trying what he could, needed to do, uh, but yeah, it's just. Yeah, I'm glad you had a great experience. I feel like it's I'm probably mainly just being I don't know, like I'm sure they're not all like that like I said. I don't feel like they're all like that. It just felt like more often than not I would see like negative stuff more than positive stuff about Dame. That's kind of how it was for me, I feel like. Remember a couple of years ago when we traded for um 
Norman Powell. Yeah. And there was this huge thing. I don't know if you were that close on social media or whatever, but there was the whole like joining of fan bases between Portland and Toronto because they got a fan favorite here in Gary Trent and and we got a fan favorite from them and Norm Powell. And like, so we had like Toronto fans rooting for the Blazers because Norm was starting and, and playing. And, and then you got some like Portland fans that were interested in Toronto. And that lasted like the rest of that season pretty much. And then it, it became like, um, like hostile again. And there was a lot of Toronto fans. Probably because of all the OG and Siakam rumors, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I bet probably. that's what it was. <laughs> but yeah, then, yeah, they, you know. Masai and a lot of their fans seem to overvalue. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Every time I do a Raptors video, I, I know I'm doing something wrong. I, I know I'm doing something wrong. You, you can trade OG <laughs> for like 18 first round picks. And it won't be like, enough. It enough. won't be enough. He'll comment, someone comment yeah. down below and be like, that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But at the same time, like I've, I've met a, several like really cool um, Toronto fans and media people so like it's been that way with like every team like there's there's um a lot of really cool uh people covering the team um and there's a lot of of really nice and cool fans and and then every fan base has those people who are just ridiculous and and uh including the blazers yeah absolutely <laughs> um, there's a bunch of blazers fans that um I'm so, sure so yeah I, like... it's so weird because i i didn't really I didn't really have any part of that this summer. Like, if it would have been the Lakers or something that he got traded to, yes. Oh, that would have been even worse. (laughs) Like, if there's one team that I don't like, it's probably the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, like, um, I don't know. I I kind of wanted Dame to be happy and stuff, and and I realized that he's going to be happy in Milwaukee. Like, as soon as they start playing and winning games, Dame's going to be like, wow, this is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because that's – it's by far the best team he's ever been on, and and just ha- playing next to a guy like Giannis is going to open up or make things so much easier for Dame. Um, but yeah, how do you how do you think do you think Milwaukee is going to win it all this year? Or? Fear the deer, baby! They're going all the way. <laughs> All the way. No, I think... Uh, They're going to beat the Blazers in the finals? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dame is going to get to the finals and have to go through his old team to win the championship. <laughs> and we're going to stop him in his tracks. <laughs> no. Uh, I think uh, Milwaukee... Um, I, I th- for right now, with who knows what's happening in Philadelphia, I think the clear favorites in the East are either Milwaukee or Boston. Both of them have depth questions, I will say. Both of them, their depth could. I like Milwaukee's depth maybe a little bit better. Boston scares me because of, like, Chris Tapp's injury. or uh, That's one thing that kind of scares me. But overall, those are the two teams I'm watching in the East that should be the clear favorites out there um, to go all the way. And I am heavily rooting for Milwaukee to do it with Dame and Giannis. Yep. Uh, so... How easy it for is it for you to get to games? Is, you mentioned you've gone to OKC four times. Uh, yeah, they're like at uh, Oklahoma City. Their arena is like uh, it used to be Chesapeake. I forget what it's called now, but it's like two. I want to say two, or maybe it's three hours away from me. I think it's a three-hour drive. Uh, but I've yeah, I've gone to see this. I've seen the Thunder play the Spurs. That was the first game I ever went to, and in that game, that's when Kawhi was on the Spurs. And uh, Greg Popovich rested like everybody, so like I barely got didn't even see anybody play. 
I forgot who was still on the Thunder at that time. I think it was Russell Westbrook. I don't think I was there when Kevin Durant. I don't think Kevin Durant was still there, though. Um, and then I've seen them play the Raptors as well. And then the next two were the Blazers, um, where one time they won and one time they lost. Um, the one time they won, I believe, is when Dame hit a like dagger shot in the corner, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, but all, it's been really fun. And Oklahoma City fans as well. Uh, when I've gone in rocking Blazers or uh, Blake Blazer stuff, they're pretty nice. I haven't had a bad experience at all. Nice. So uh, you should go to the Bucks game. May I? Okay, see Bucks. I probably should if I can. That should be a fun one. I definitely. Tickets are already like insane because they're only playing mm-hmm. in Portland once, or they'd only play in OKC once. But it wouldn't be Dame's return to Portland there, so you could get tickets for a normal price probably. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, it's. I think. We're talking like three or four hundred dollars for the top row already, uh, so I can't imagine I believe once it. it gets closer to that game how how expensive those tickets are going to be. Yeah, I think that might be the one game I go to this year because I don't want to, I don't want to go to too many games. But um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm probably going to go to that one. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to go to that game. Should have a good tribute video. He should uh, obviously be cheered on. Hopefully, no one's booing. I don't think they will. Uh, hopefully not. I think everybody kind of you know realizes that dame is a legend around here so um but i know there were some people that didn't like him because of everything that was going down but i hope that ship has sailed for most people at the end of the day Mm -hmm. yep and that does i hope people realize you can separate not wanting to trade dame but also being excited for the future exactly that's how i felt and hopeful yeah Cause I was in denial about it for a while. Even when we resigned Jeremy Grant, I was like, okay, Dame is staying. Even though this roster may make no <laughs> sense at all, Dame is staying here and that's all that matters. <laughs> and obviously that did not nope. go as planned. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do want to get uh, your answer to a question before we go here. Okay. What the heck would you do? Um, have you rebuilt the 76ers recently mm, on your channel? No, I've what, been avoiding it. What would you do if you were thrust into that position as GM of the 76ers? Yeah, I've been avoiding doing that video because I've been <laughs> curious to see what's going to happen with James Harden and the 76ers. And the recent thing I saw today is that he plans on reporting to camp to make it, you know, make the 76ers uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> yeah. So. Bro, I mean... I don't even know what that means. Yeah, but. I don't either. I mean, he's going to show up in a fat suit or... I, it's... I don't know, man. Um, I'm going to see what happens. And then eventually, I'm getting down to the wire in the last few teams I got to do uh, from when the game released. Um, I'm not sure what I would do, to be honest. Because I obviously could abuse the 2K trade finder do whatever I want with Harden. But I tend to try to stay in the realistic ballpark for the most part. Because yeah. that's just the way I like to do things. So trading Harden realistically right now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would do, especially if you're trying to keep him beat happy. It's it's tough, man. It I that that whole situation is a mess. I cannot wait to see what the results are going to be of that. Well, that's one thing I really appreciate and and admire about your channel is that um, it is you you. I mean, it's it's impossible to keep it fully realistic, but. Um, you do a great job of like at least trying to keep it on the rails. Mm-hmm. You see other rebuilds and it's like, oh, you're going to trade Dame for Giannis <laughs> instead of pairing him with Giannis. Yeah. We're getting Giannis somehow. Or like, you know, it makes no sense. And 
It's stuff that would never in a million years happen, mm-hmm. or you're not getting like eight firsts for Myers Leonard in a <laughs> in a trade or something. You yeah, know? <laughs> absolutely. That that's the way and I so prefer like, to do things. So yeah, it's cool that you try to keep it somewhat realistic, and that's that's how I am too. Yeah. So do you ever do you ever do like franchise modes or uh, play 2K that much, or do you just do the the rebuild? I don't play 2K outside of just doing rebuilds. Really, that's it. I I buy the game to do the content. That's it. I do not spend spare time playing 2K at all. As funny as that sounds. Um, so do you like suck at it? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty bad at it. I don't think I'm that great. Uh, That's so funny. I feel like I could beat my friends, but I feel like if you put me against someone that like probably knows what they're doing, I'm probably going to lose. Uh, especially last year. The sh- it felt like the shot beater was so... I don't know. I was terrible last year. This year, it's a little bit different. I feel a little bit better. I only play, though, when I jump in. And that's not... I don't do it every video. I only do it sometimes. Yeah. I feel like it's like reverse hustling someone like you people people show up expecting you to be awesome and you're just like who is this guy no nope, i just terrible. i'm just in there in the simulation man that's all that's all i'm doing usually well that was always my funnest i, I know you do uh or you did stuff with madden too right yeah um that life is crazy right now so it's hard for me to do madden rebuilds all the time right now but Yes, that was always my thing when I got those games. I just play franchise mode, and I, I really didn't care. I played the games. Um, well, football I did. It was a lot easier football because there's only, what, the time, 16 games mm-hmm. um, versus 82 game season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you could switch it to play each team once, so there was like 29 games or whatever. It makes it a little easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I always just liked being a GM and, and uh, just – spending way too many hours in the trade finder and and trying to accumulate every draft pick in a draft coming up so you had like every pick yeah um uh but yeah that that's the kind of stuff that i found fun but like as i got older yeah i was i i leaned much more towards more realistic Mm -hmm. how could how could they actually fix this without it being like Oh, we just acquired eight all-stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know some people do it that way, but that's never the way I like to do things. Um, I have done it before like that when I first started, but I mean, I don't know when I started to like gravitate towards more realistic, but I feel like I've doing been doing that for years and I'm happy doing it that way. I think it just, it makes me, it, it, it motivates me to do it a lot more than just go abuse the trade system that's like broken. And obviously you're doing something right with how many. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so subscribers you have <laughs> yeah did you hit 40k or yeah we're at 40k so congratulations thank man. you man That's awesome thank you it's really cool um all right so do you have anything else for uh this episode anything else you want to talk about that's happening around the nba uh i don't think so i'm excited to see what harden does um maybe we'll hear some news about that tomorrow um but I don't have anything else really uh, that I'm looking forward to yet, but I'm sure things will come up. Hopefully, uh, most of the there's already been a few injuries around the league. Um, hopefully, a lot of uh, the stars can stay healthy because that has been something that's plagued the last few seasons is um, stars getting hurt and stuff. You'd never like to see seasons get derailed or in because of injuries. So hopefully, um, a lot of these teams have good health and we can see and actual good um playoff run against teams that aren't injured and things like that agreed so, uh, yeah uh 
should be a really fun season. Uh, so coming up over the next couple weeks, we'll have um, a episode where we talk about uh, what our standings predictions and some other predictions, maybe for awards and stuff as well. And then we're also, uh, we got a good suggestion to do an episode on young cores around the NBA. And um, when I got that question or a suggestion, I thought, uh, Brady, you'd be the perfect person to have that uh, discussion with because you're very familiar with all kinds of um, other teams' rosters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So maybe we'll do like uh, best young cores under the age of 25 or something and see where port where we would rank portland amongst those and uh yeah we have some other fun um segments lined up and uh yeah just gonna have have a good time talking some ball with uh brady here and uh um hope you guys enjoy it and we really appreciate everyone who tuned into this episode and who supports uh, both uh, blazers uprise and uh crushables uh youtube channels and uh, thanks for watching. I hope everyone has a good day. I don't have a sign off. Do you have a sign off you want to use? I always go. <laughs> in my videos, I go, you know, this crush I'm saying peace. I, I guess we can do This is uh, Hoops Crush. And we're saying yeah. peace. <laughs> for Hoops Crush, uh, we'll see you next week.